0: a podcast. Hey, Marcus. <laughs> hey, it Peter. It has been a while. It, it has been quite a while. A while since we released an episode and even longer since we recorded one.
1: Yes, we uh, put out a Christmas episode. We took a break in January. It was all part of the plan. And now we are trying to get you a episode late February uh, and uh, to, to have a little late celebration of love in uh a movie where Ernest uh, sort of falls in love. Uh we'll get to that later. So this this is a podcast about the adventures of Ernest P Worrell. Marcus, what do you think this podcast is cuz it's been well, months.
0: Yeah, it has been. I kind of forgot what it was. And that was my initial <laughs> thought when we talked about what to do this month. I was like, "Well, hey, it's Valentine's Day. Maybe we'll find a movie where Ernest Kind of has more of a love interest thing going on, and that's
1: not what you said. Well, you said. Maybe we'll find a movie where Ernest fucks.
0: Yeah, maybe we'll find a movie where Ernest finally gets to fuck, and this is maybe <laughs> the best chance. And honestly, watching the movie, it was the best chance and the closest he's gotten. But then I also realized, uh, since we did this a little bit later than we initially expected, that uh, just recently this past weekend, uh, Black Panther came out and was like the fifth highest grossing opening of all time, and we're the dudes that are doing Ernest goes to Africa because. That's just the kind of podcast this is.
1: I was thinking about that, but I hadn't seen... I have not seen Black Panther.
0: I have not seen Uh, Black Panther, but I have seen Ernest Goes to Africa twice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is not a political move for me to to have not seen Black Panther. It's
0: happenstance.
1: It was a uh, a, uh, unfortunate timing or maybe a fortunate timing um, that we can celebrate that there is a pro-African futurism movie out that celebrates Africa and all of its diversity and diversity of opinions and, and, uh, you know, what heroism means for, you know, African continent post-colonialism. And we're doing a movie that is firmly rooted in colonial
0: racist stereotypes. Well, I mean, look at how far we've come in a mere 21 years. (laughs) This is very much chronologically out of order.
1: This is the second to last Ernest movie. And I wanted to... How is this not the last? (laughs) I do not know how this didn't kill the series. But we wanted to knock out the ones that we knew were going to be offensive somewhere in the middle uh, and not go chronologically so that we can hopefully go out on a high note. Uh, Hopefully go out on some stuff that celebrates the character, what the character could be as opposed to, you know... uh, what the character was at his laziest.
0: Yeah. Imagine this 10 episodes in. I don't think I could have done that.
1: I know that would have been a really sad way to end the series. So uh, keep listening. If you'd love to hear uh, a better movie, (laughs) us explain. I, I think it's like a uniquely offensive movie. I think it's worth, I think it is worth talking about because it is not everyday racism. It is shocking Big macro racism baffling and, you know, does take some of my some of the wind out of my sails for the rest of the series. But I think we'll get it back up um, when we get
0: Ernest back on on home turf a little bit. And well, and and here's yeah, that's the problem is that he left the U.S. This is what happens when you leave your country. Um, (laughs) No, but uh, so. In addition to just the blatant racism, there's also a lot of sexism and homophobia in this. So I think we oh, have yeah. to this week we're going to have to bring back that segment. Who does Ernest offend this week? And spoiler alert: it's fucking everybody. It's fucking everyone. Like, and I'm
1: concerned. So the last film in the series, which I would also like to do, uh, not last, yeah. is Ernest in the army. And it's like, what is is Ernest going to like fucking commit milie massacres in like the Middle East? Like, what is?
0: After this, like, where down can you go? I have a feeling, because again, this one and Ernest in the Army, I saw once. Around the time they came out, I was like 10 or 11. So even I was kind of too old for this at the time. (laughs) Um, And I barely remember anything. But yeah, I feel like it's just going to be like military pro-USA propaganda.
1: (laughs) Like in the Army now kind of bullshit where it just kind of takes all that stuff as face value. God,
0: I wish we were watching in the Army now for the show.
1: (laughs) Anyway, so but before we get there, we have to talk about a episode of uh, the show. Hey, Vern! It's,
0: it's a show. Hey, Vern! It's a show. <laughs> <laughs> um, and th- this this time we picked uh, the episode. Hey, Vern! It's magic. Uh, now, yes. I did kind of line all these episodes up with specific movies. This is one I was kind of reaching for a little bit, but having not really remembered much about Ernest Goes to Africa, I just kind of assumed that they treated the African people as a very stereotypical kind of magical people, the way they did with the Native Americans in Goes to Camp. So it kind of it, it lined up enough for me. <laughs> yeah, but the movie doesn't even have like condescending
1: uh, magical Negro stuff. It, it doesn't even have that. They're just like violent idiots.
0: <laughs> yeah, and cannibals. And <laughs> yes,
1: yes. Yeah. Um, so the, the the episode of the show is Haver hey and It's Magic, and Haver hey and It's Magic is you know if you've listened to past episodes of the show, you know what the show is basically. It is a uh, round robin of a set of characters that they run through. Some jokes are like ninety percent the same, and then there's just a different punchline. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's like the last part of this the punchline is the same but the last part of the setup is is uh, the, the you know the actual joke so there's like a barber every week who says he's gonna lower his ears and he goes through the same like motion of like all him go doing all this crazy stuff and putting shaving cream and glue and massive scissors and going at earnest and then you see this reveal of this like crazy haircut and then Ernest nine times out of ten goes I think I can make it work.
0: Yeah, it says he says, make me look like this. And then he's like, oh, I thought you said make me look like this thing that doesn't even really sound like what you said.
1: <laughs> so it's very formulaic. Um, I do think that the episodes. Uh our best split up, um,
0: I think watching an episode like every week would be kind of maddening. Yeah, like, even once a month. It, uh, I'm kind of over this television show already. Uh, <laughs> oh, I it's, agree. It's it's so samey. And even this one feels like one of the weaker episodes that we've watched so far.
1: Yes. Usually there's like a couple jokes or weird visual gags that I'm like, okay. I was like, okay, you kind of stumbled on something, you know, clever, brilliant in a way that it's sort of uh dumb, innocent, naive way that I, I, you know, I love the earnest character and the the John Cherry writing sort of uh, milieu. Like I like, sometimes they stumble on that stuff. There's not a lot of uh, stumbling into that in this episode, just regular stumbling.
0: There, yeah, uh, there's only two bits in this episode that really worked for me. Um, and I'll just go ahead and point them out because it's it's all over the place. There's, it'd be pointless to go through each and everything. Um, but one was the anti Nelda scene. I actually liked that one when she was just kind of very dryly uh, being like, "Oh, fake vomit," and "Oh, a snake in a can," isn't that funny? <laughs> like that Auntie actually. Anti Nelda, uh, Nelda tends to work. Yeah, that just in general. Even even in goes to Africa. Probably one of the better bits. Uh, even though it's, it's still not that great. Um, the second one was the kind of, uh, the love song, the magic song with Jackie Welch, um, actually had like some pretty funny lyrics in it. It's like a sort of Motown send up. But it's, it's also kind of like, uh, like a Julie Brown song. Like when Julie Brown was like making records, like, uh, the homecoming queen's got a gun and stuff like that. It kind of seems like. Uh, a song she would have done for an album around that time period in the 80s. Yeah.
1: Yeah, cuz it's not quite weird alism, but it's like uh it's just like a goofier song but like with some heart in it. Um and I always kind of appreciate that that kind of thing in a uh, in a show like this where you're like, "Well, you actually like wrote a song." He actually has, he brought in someone to sing a song and do gags and stuff in like one take. Well, and also just like um,
0: some absurdist kind of lyrics and lines uh, talking about like, oh, this magician, like, I fell in love with him because he pulled a fish out of my hair or because he pulled a whole pack of gophers out of his pocket. <laughs> like, just oh, yeah. random things like that that actually kind of work in a, a silly, absurdist kind of way.
1: That's true. Sometimes when the, the setups and the, um, the actual joke delivery is like so cornball in this earnest stuff at least you get some like crazy absurdity to kind of like make it work sometimes like it needs the absurdity to actually become something that's funny i think cuz the cornballism can transcend like dad jokes sometimes and just become like just unfu- just regular unfunny <laughs> yeah uh, um so when it goes when it goes absurd it tends to work for me cuz i'm just like oh this was like kind of, uh you know, top of your head, weird, improv-y shit coming to you instead of like, okay, we're going to sit down and just like go through jo- a joke structure and then
0: just... You know punch in words that fit Uh, That's where it feels maybe more like Reaching on like oh it's like a groundlings Bit or something as opposed to being like An actual children's magic show (laughs) The
1: the magic bits Are not all that interesting The plot of the episode is that Ernest Lost uh, Vernon's dog In a disappearing act Put him in a box open the box no dog And then he's spending the whole episode hunting for the dog Um, Obviously He gets the dog back at the end because it's a children's show
0: yeah, that'd be sad, just and Vern never saw his dog again.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not like he dropped the dog into some, like, Lovecraftian ether, where he's like, swimming in, like, an ocean of
0: tentacles, and... There is a, a part in this episode where it does get kind of, like, weird and dark in a way that was kind of interesting, and it's when Ernest actually goes in the box to go after the dog, and he kind of, like, falls through the, this, like, color, colorful portal kind of thing, comes to, like... a a dark room with a door goes through the door, finds the dog and then gets locked behind the door. And it it felt kind of creepy and odd in an interesting way.
1: Yeah. Also, I think that, uh, aesthetic, that nineties TV aesthetic is aged just enough that it's creepy that nineties TV aesthetic is like kind of uncomfortable because it's, it's, A lot of practical stuff, but some of it is like flat kind of video effects. And it has this sort of antiquated quality the way that like old records or wax cylinders now just inherently sound creepy. When Mm -hmm. I think the 90s TV, kids TV is entering into that phase where like seeing a vhs dub of barney is like kind of unnerving for some reason
0: i could see that and especially with this show there are already some creepy elements to it. it's already like the Ernest baby the the talking tongue those are creepy to begin with but even like uh, okay so one of our least favorite bits from the show is the mac and george bit the dude and his pet lizard slash roommate lizard Um, but there actually was a moment in this that I quite liked just because it did reach that level of creepiness and so the bit is that George the lizard is sawing Mac in half like he's acting as magician's assistant and there's one point where Mac is like oh so you you read the book right you know what you're doing George and just cuts to this lizard with like a saw going back and forth and it's just like dead black eyes
1: that also made me laugh the idea that these bits have been going on and that like george just fucking hates that he has not had the capability of murder until today it's just phenomenal i think i feel like almost like this could be an adult swim experiment where oh yeah the show would have to be cut down to the 15 minute in general the show needs to be cut down to like 15 minutes uh, adult swim segments mm-hmm. uh you know let's say they shoot every segment for the show and then they're just like okay these four don't work and they just you know cut the remaining six seven eight minutes it could work as an adult swim project where you're just like the first week it's like not weird at all and you're just like why am i watching a kid's show and the next week things just
0: get slowly ramped up. (laughs) the next week you get my father the clown (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) my father the clown does feel like it's on the verge of being a Uh, experimental adult swim like 2 a.m. show like (laughs) I almost get the implication that the mom fucked around on the clown and that's why one of the kids
0: doesn't look like him (laughs) yeah I could definitely see that um so that that bit uh again was another one that I always kind of enjoy just because of the Kind of like subtle sadness and depression that's within that show. So it starts off and the kids are about to have dinner with the mom, and the mom is just like, "Well, I guess we should go ahead and eat." Your father's late again, (laughs) and then he comes in and he's just like, oh it took me forever to get out of that fucking carnival." And then the kid is just, the kid just asks like, "What? Why can't he be like a regular dad?" That's like, "Why don't I find you funny?" It's like, "Oh, because you have no sense of humor, son. Just like your fucking mother." (laughs) such a
1: cruel thing to say to a kid like like hey why don't i like you being around and he's like i don't know because you're a fucking idiot just like your idiot mother i bet you're you're soft like your mother too aren't you (laughs) and then pies in the face (laughs) and then and then, and then pies in the face um, one of these days, those pies aren't going to be pies. It's just going to be an entire pan of anthrax, just <laughs> right in their faces. And then the the clown, the the, the clown uh, father, and is there a daughter? Who's, uh, the, who's the other? I, clown I think child?
0: I think the clown child is the daughter. Okay, uh, clown child, clown uh, clown father, go on the run. Uh, their tiny tiny car I really saw the the other way which yours makes way more sense for like a long running series but I was like one day they're gonna pull that pie out and the mom is just gonna pull again out it's like not this time Victor
1: <laughs> <laughs> for sure I don't think I, I actually to be to be fair I don't think that the clown father would ever murder the mother because he likes her alive so that he can ruin her life Um, he, he likes such as the life out. of the clown <laughs> yeah he likes to drag out the torture as long as is possible for the mother i think she's in a hellscape and, and the only ways of, of extricating herself notice she never comes in the door it's like only the clown father is allowed to come in the door oh because believe, she's there all day
0: every day
1: i believe she's being detained um <laughs> she has shackles she, on her feet you can't see
0: them in the shot but yes
1: yeah that's the limitation of multi-camera sitcoms um I believe that one day she's going to find herself in possession of a weapon and this is going to end that clown's life. And it, it, I'm going to, if I were ever on that jury, I, I would let her go. I would yeah, go, not
0: guilty. Oh yeah, and, not guilty all the way.
1: Yeah. Oh my god.
0: Um, and I think the only other segment that kind of worked.
1: <laughs> my father, the clown. My father, the clown. <laughs> they had to cast Baron Trump on that. <laughs>
0: Okay, Sorry. now the show's political.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go Sorry,
0: go on. That's nice true because yeah, if if we're offending somebody by talking about how awful Ernest goes to Africa is, then yeah, guess what? They're probably not gonna like your Baron Trump comment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry I interrupted you. Please go on. Oh,
0: oh, it's it's quite oh, thank you, sweetheart. Um <laughs> so the, the last bit that kind of worked for me in this before I kind of wanna get more into how the things that didn't work in this episode and even kind of the old favorites or the go-tos that just underperformed in this episode. The last bit I kind of liked was the Dr. Auto bit, mostly just because it kind of became something that was like very cutely a kids tv thing um which is basically like dr otto is is like i'm a semi-mad evil person and uh, i'm going to make like the worst tasting food that you know tastes awful and smells terrible and blah 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 and he puts some wacky ingredients together and he's like and i have made brussels sprouts which we will force children to eat all around the globe like that was (laughs) that was cutely like a a kids tv comedy bit that kind of worked for me (laughs) at least that's setting up a joke Right? So like uh,
1: some of the other bits are just like, I'm a tongue. isn't it funny that I'm a tongue? I'm a baby. Isn't it funny that I'm a baby? And this is at least like Dr. Otto comes in. And he's like pulling out all these weird, disparate elements. And then you're like, well, what's going on here, Dr. Otto? And then it's like, oh,
0: you're doing a bit. Yeah, you made this thing that kids are known to hate and be afraid of. Um, so uh, the main thing I want to talk about, as far as like what doesn't work in this episode and what kind of surprisingly underperforms, is a uh, uh, Gayard Sartain in this episode has like no good bits, no no funny things in here that worked for me, which he usually is one of the highlights of these shows.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes he's funnier than uh, Ernest, and I think sometimes he gets like uh, better bits that fit his personality. Whereas you know, or, uh, you know Jim Varney has a lot of characters in his in his menagerie, and I think you and I are not attached to all those characters. About half of them hit. <laughs> yeah. I also think Jim Varney is tied down from like he's in the writing process for the whole show and being a producer and such. And mm-hmm. he's acting a lot more That I think like it's harder for him to like focus on his one or two bits. Whereas Gary Sartain has like, well, I got four scenes in this movie, so I'm going to make them count. Yeah, not as funny, but like. It it still strikes me that the show is like half of its front time is just repeats from each episode because they have to set up the bit every time the new the character comes in. Every time that his uh, sound effects guy comes in, he has to be introduced. Uh, doing a fact uh, doing you know the uh, machine gun 8-bit noise mm-hmm. and then he has to and he has to do the honking noise of his mouth and all that like he, ha- that's like half of
0: the bit like no joke oh the only thing that changes is the sound that he makes he's like oh I'm doing this this week he does the same like put my hand over my face like this and then make a noise that kind of sounds like every other noise and then see you next week <laughs>
1: It does give me a little bit um, of, but less charming in the new MST3K, where you can tell that, like, Patton Oswald and basically all the, the live action actors, they're like, this is the only take we're doing. This is the only take we have money for, and we're going to go for it. Even if I flub a line, we're going for it. And it kind of adds a charm in MST3K. And this, I think, uh, it it has this, like, sort of quality where you're like, did Garrett Sertain come in for 15 minutes for this entire season?
0: it's possible because like even like you said in the barber scene and everything they do reuse shots quite a bit um and he's in a couple of these he does a chuck and bobby thing that's like almost works but kind of doesn't just like oh he has smelly shoes and it makes bobby disappear (laughs) haha just like magic um he does his photographer character which again is almost funny because he keeps like, oh, I do these kind of shots and these kind of shots, and they keep inserting this one shot of him holding a giant swordfish into each category. So it almost kind of works.
1: To them, it was probably just a quick way to make a buck when children's television didn't matter and they just needed like content, content, content. But to me, I just see like possibility. Because it is such a cool format for a show. It's just like throwing ADD jokes at kids' faces. Like, hey, uh, you didn't like that? Here's another thing. Uh, you don't like that character? Here's another character. Every time that the show expands more of what it's doing, which is, you know, like little piece by piece, it re- more and more resembles Wonder in
0: Yeah, I do. Especially with the, the kids talking heads, laughing, like transitioning from bit to bit. And this is something where like, I feel like, If this show, and if maybe even the earnest character, wasn't so completely aimed at children, if it had a little bit more adult humor in it, if it was, like, maybe stretched out a little bit, or if a character like this was created today and done, it would actually be a really funny show and they could do fun and interesting things with it but i think the fact that this is made for fucking babies is like the main (laughs) thing they go for is just like recognition if you watch this from week to week you're like oh i remember that from last time (laughs) that's funny because i've seen it before when you're when you're a little kid and you want turning on these these
1: channels just recognizing like old like the old characters that you know very well might be like seeing old friends
0: well yeah and it's it's also a short attention span and not only that but it's just not being able to completely remember everything or soak up new information that well so like after you know five or six episodes of this as a child as a small child you're gonna be like oh I I saw that I recognize that that hits because it's soaked in finally after seeing it so many times to where it's enjoyable so I could see if I was a little baby when I watched this really enjoying this but being an adult now and just seeing the same bits week after week (laughs) drives me insane especially when half of them always do not work.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um ha- having to see the tongue thing is like kind of frustrating week to week.
0: And the dummy bits, those never work either.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I don't know. There's just there's just a general like inability to give up on what's not working that I think just comes with the territory that they they were producing this probably so fast on such a small but uh, and such a small budget. They had no feedback to know what wasn't working. Like they were like, okay, we hit the minute mark on each episode. Let's go.
0: See, and that's a thing too because when you think back to when they were making the commercials, and they were still doing the commercials around this time as well. Like they would just have a day and make like 30 to 50 commercial spots in a day. Like, you know, just a little 30 seconds. Yeah, exactly. They would just do this. So, I have to think that especially this early on, they brought that same process to making this TV show, which is probably why it was done very cheaply. It probably did get done very quickly. So, they probably like would come in, do like two or three episodes of the show and then shoot 50 commercials like in the span of a day and just kind of like keep rolling. Like, oh, something kind of doesn't work, whatever, just keep rolling with it. Uh and and especially having these same bits and these same characters they bring back every episode, they could just be like, okay, let's shoot the entire season of the Chuck and Bobby bits in an hour or two. Like, it, it seems like they brought that to this show. The strains do show a little bit, but again, their work ethic and what they were producing and putting out in that time and still putting out quality commercials as well. It's kind of amazing.
1: Jim Varney died young and jim Rani was acting in a couple other movies and he uh they still pulled out 11 movies including dr otto mm-hmm. so it's uh it's pretty impressive that they were able to get this much work in in such a short period but that does not forgive what we had to watch this week i don't see a defense for this
0: movie well see and and that's the thing is that I actually did watch these in order. I watched the TV episode first, was kind of underwhelmed, was kind of a little saddened and over it. And then I watched this movie. I really wish I had watched the movie first and then watched the show as a palate cleanser because I think just the the usualness of it, the, the sweetness of it, the silliness of it would have brought me up out of the muck that this movie left me in. Uh, so, Marcus. Yes, Peter Moran. <laughs> You know what
1: we uh you know what we didn't do at the beginning of this episode? Well
0: we 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 kinda we said hello to each other. We didn't introduce each other or anything.
1: We didn't do it, it wasn't formal because this is an informal show. This is kinda kinda A couple of buds fun. chatting around. Couple buds couple buds the Vern to your earnest the gayard sartain to your well that's not true because i'm going to be in every episode
0: um, yeah and I, I was about to say like which neither one of us wants to be the Vern. we both want to be the earnest
1: <laughs> after this movie i don't want to be earnest either but so uh, <laughs> marcus jones doing a great website called crush celluloid as well as the associated podcasts with it yeah i put an s on the end of that podcast yeah, I do with
0: several of them.
1: <laughs> First is called Crush Celluloid, appropriate. Less things for you to remember. Uh, and the next one is Jean Pod Van Damme, also easy to remember. And let me tell you, they're both great. Uh, there's a lot of enthusiasm and love behind it. Uh, and I have been on it twice. Um, twice. So if you don't like me, just listen to the other million episodes, because they're all great. But yes, uh, Marcus is a lovely man, and I'm happy to have him on the show.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Peter. And thank you for for saying you're glad to have me on the show that we created together. (laughs) I am... I am also just as happy to, to have the lovely Peter Moran on the show that we did indeed create together. Uh, Peter Moran, you probably know is also a internet personality, probably with a bit more clout than, than even I, Marcus Jones, have. Uh, he is, of course, from the, the We Love to Watch network, which includes several podcasts that he is either a co-host of or is, is on in some capacity, including the We Love to Watch podcast. Uh, that pod's not dead. Um, what, there are like three or four other shows under network that you're yeah, involved in. Yeah,
1: we're we're getting a few things off the ground. My co-host Aaron Armstrong and uh, you know we don't
0: talk about him here. Not since he didn't get scared <laughs> stupid.
1: <laughs> and with this week, I think we bit off the perfect amount for us to chew, which is. Ernest goes to Africa. Ernest slam dunks Africa. <laughs> it definitely scared Ernest. The hardest thing about this d- discussing this movie that we're going to discuss is because the sweet innocence of the episode uh, of, of uh, Hey Vern, It's Magic, uh, just kind of evaporates very quickly in the movie. So we're, uh, we might be a little bit more negative on this, but um, hey, Marcus, do you want to talk about Ernest?
0: Does Africa <laughs> in the way that Debbie did Dallas? <laughs> um, yes, yeah, yes, I do, Peter. Um, but honestly, before we get into this, I've already finished my first beer. I really need to go to get another beer before we get into this.
1: I am terrified of getting more beer because I'm pretty sure I will just grab the entire 12 pack and just finish it because I got, oof, I got some cheese to grate, I got bones to grind, <laughs> cheese to grate. <grit. laughs> All are, are you trying to are you trying to imply that you're cheesed off? I'm cheesed off online about this. Ernest goes to Africa. You want to talk about Ernest goes to Africa? <laughs>
0: going to happen eventually with this podcast because it starts out all bright and happy and fun It's like, oh, ernest goes to camp i love that i still love it goes to jail it's hilarious we're gonna do christmas it's adorable scared stupid it's uh, okay but people like it and i knew eventually it'd be like oh yeah he is eventually gonna go to africa and then somehow <laughs> even after that go to the army how is this a full 90 minutes not even including credits like this is an hour and 29 minutes excluding the end credits how is, it is this not a sweaty 90 minutes how is this not between 70 and 80 minutes just right off the bat that is my first note is how is this not between 70 and 80 minutes long
1: i, I don't know uh, partially i mean that's the question i ask with every bad movie is
0: why is this not shorter um you think but, it's something in the contract like they, they had to bring in a, a 90 minute movie because there are so many scenes in this movie where it just feels like they are stretching for time like they, they're just come on, get on with it already.
1: I imagine actual Ernest like Ernest P. Worrell himself being embarrassed about dragging in the, the like a small amount of film reels. <laughs> into the distributor's office and being like oh yeah it's really heavy because it's definitely a 90 minute movie definitely a 90 minute movie here he's just <laughs>
0: lugging around film canisters well all i'm saying is i was really hoping for like filled a, with salmon <laughs> I, I was really hoping for like a 10 minute long credit sequence to, to chop some of that down but no oh there's nothing better than you're watching a bad movie and then you're
1: like oh thank god This movie had a huge budget and had a bunch of special effects. The last 15 minutes are all credits.
0: Yeah, that is a good feeling, especially when it clocks in at like 92 minutes and you're like, oh, okay, the last 10 minutes of that are strictly credits. (laughs) This was barely longer than a TV episode. Thank you, movie. Ernest goes to Africa is racist from the poster. Yeah, and from the opening (laughs) credits, which, by (laughs) the way, my second note was like, ah, so cheap these credits
1: yeah yeah it's just him imitating animal faces and like to me the the opening credits though were somewhat reassuring because i was like oh is this just gonna be like earnest like Surviving in the out the, Like you know the the wilderness of the Sudan Or like Ernest like you know Trying to survive against animals And like making friends with animals That would have been a movie the, a Dr. Doolittle style Ernest movie But no this oh. way too, this is way too Cheap for them to have actual Like animal
0: stunts Where were you in 1990 1990- Yeah the only animals in this movie seemed like very Sad circus animals that were That were brought on uh, Well, or they just- were beaten and then put next to the the camera oh yeah no absolutely because i actually did shoot this in south africa which i was kind of surprised <laughs> of um so so they did shoot somewhat on location so but yeah, no, that would have been a movie. Where were you in nineteen ninety seven? a A Doctor Doolittle type Ernest movie, or an Ernest against the wilderness, like like a like a Into the Wild with Ernest kind of movie? <laughs> like that that would have been a thing that that could have been okay. But even from the opening credits, it did not reassure me of anything because it felt very similar to the opening credits of Ernest Scared Stupid, where it's like Ernest kind of being silly and goofy against like ooh scary things, and it's just like. Ernest being kind of silly and goofy around ooh black people.
1: Yeah, because the movie does not care about giving respect to any African person. Weirdly enough, also not Indians. And a Arabs.
0: whole lot of a uh, uh, lot of Indian brownface going on in this movie for being in Africa. Yeah, what's with that? I, I mean, I uh, honestly, obviously. Dumb white guy here. I I don't know too much about the the politics in Africa. I don't know about what the the system, the social system is or anything like that. I don't know if there are a lot of Indian people in Africa that are kind of lower class or lower tier when it comes to, you know, uh, richer areas, but I more assume it's like, oh, they're pretty much the same, right? yeah it's a lot easier to put Ernest in kind of a lighter brown face makeup and have him do an indian accent like he's fucking hank azaria over here as as opposed to putting him in super dark black face and having him do an (laughs) african thing there are two indian brown face characters in this movie and i think the other one the the prince guy uh i believe the actor that played him his name is robert whitehead (laughs) yeah that's probably the biggest laugh you anyone will ever get from ernest goes to africa because i had the same reaction nothing is funny in this movie it
1: is a racist offensive slog and like this this the show is supposed to be this positive journey into Ernest, and it would be entirely wrong for us to ignore that this movie exists we're running the series. We're watching them all.
0: We have to take the good with the bad, guys. Yes,
1: we have to understand where people came into Ernest and where people might have left the series. This was a this was a, a great point to jump off if yeah. you had not already left.
0: But on the other side of that, I really wonder: is this anyone's favorite Ernest movie? Is are there Ernest fans out there to where this is their favorite Ernest movie? Because I I have to think the possibility of that exists, but. I, I can't really fathom it.
1: <laughs> I, I was on Rotten Tomatoes because I wanted to see if there were, uh, uh, you know, critic reviews D- at the
0: time. And no critics because it was direct-to-video. Yeah. 29% of the audience dug it, though.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um one of the, the there was a five star user review from a super user, which I think just means you review a lot of movies. Isn't that what just means on, on Rotten Tomatoes?
0: I, I don't pay too much attention to Rotten Tomatoes. to Be honest.
1: Yeah, it's a ter- it's a terrible system. It's s- slightly better than Metacritic, but like still terrible. Anyways, um, so. Uh, and then the review was like, everything that I hated about the movie, the review was like, wasn't it funny when the prince kissed a man? Wasn't <sighs> it funny when Ernest dressed like an Indian? And you're like, no,
0: no, none of that was funny. No, it's like In that, fact, that's it was the tragic. Worst. Yes, exactly. And even uh, speaking of, of user reviews, uh, I scrolled down on IMDb when I was doing a bit of research on the film. And of course, the, the first user review i saw it was probably like seven out of ten stars and it's like hey come on it's not that bad (laughs) and it's just like this guy being like i hate seeing people hate on this movie for for all these reasons like it's it's not that bad it's still earnest Uh, uh if it is I, I feel bad about myself. I feel like this is, is straying too far. I feel like this is a bottom of the barrel. They didn't really know what to do. It was 1997. It was a bunch of dudes from like Tennessee and stuff. So they're obviously kind of culturally insensitive in ways. But I, again, I don't think their hearts were in the wrong place. I don't think they were being malicious or or mean-spirited in any way. I just think they don't know any better and didn't bother to think anything through.
1: There's like an entire generation of people that give a shit about Arabs, Persians, Southeast Asian people, and separating which ethnic group people are in, what country you're you're from, are you are you from the are you a, a Kurd? Are you a Sunni? Are you a Shiite? Well, and caring about how they're portrayed. That we have to we're taking ownership for the The way we represent those communities, and in 1987 when this movie came out, there was 1997, not 87. Oh, did I say 87? I I believe you did. I'm at 97. There was no ownership of that. We
0: didn't have to differentiate between uh, African people and Indian people.
1: Apparently,
0: which is insane to me. They're different continents. Like (laughs) it's not even close. Well, see, and I think part of that. Also ties into this, which I don't even want to call this a positive thing, but if I'm trying to like find positives within this movie, I was like, oh, it kind of had a temple of doom thing going on, but it had a temple of doom thing going on as well, <laughs> and it had that cranked up to 11. This, I'm sure this movie passed
1: with minimal notice when it came out in 1997, and now, like. I googled, you know, Ernest goes to Africa, and before I even got to that, top, before I even got to the F in Africa, it said Ernest goes to Africa racist.
0: I know, yeah, because I searched Ernest goes to Africa, and the first like related searches was Ernest goes to Africa racist. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, we're we're getting there, guys. I mean, not really, but I mean, it's it's. Better
1: ish. The movie is uh the movie is about Ernest. It basically, gets embroiled in a a Indiana Jones adventure mystery where he.
0: Well, hey, hey come on, rights issues. Illinois Smith.
1: <laughs> Illinois Smith. Yes, uh, Ernest is a big fan of a, a figure named Illinois, Illinois Smith, which in the uh, Worrell-verse um, is. Uh, uh, apparently
0: just Indiana Jones Uh, yeah but he also makes like a Citizen Kane reference at some point so like that stuck but no 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 (laughs) yeah exactly It's just a weird alternate universe. That's a that's an easy way to kind of shun some of this aside. It's like, uh, you know, this isn't our world. This is a world slightly askew to ours. And actually, when we think about it, I'm sorry, this is a random idea to throw out in an episode such as this, but I'm trying to do anything to not just talk about this movie. Do you think every Ernest movie takes place in a different parallel universe? The way that he's never really in the same place? Like, is he just a random drifter that does random jobs? Or is it just like, it, is every Ernest movie just like a day or a week in the life of Ernest in a parallel universe where he's in a different town and has a different job but he's still kind of the same guy and gets into random adventures sometimes he has rim shot, sometimes he has Jake the Fish like
1: and, and the characters seem to slip in and out and Ernest does not ever talk about their existence also um yeah he
0: never references past movies or anything like that. oh yeah that's right uh linda cash that plays the the love interest in this she was in two other Ernest movies playing different characters
1: she is a world ver- verse person in that case it's almost like a um
0: oh chuck and bobby as well when you think about uh chuck and the dude in, in camp then you have a couple with chuck and bobby and then you have the other non-chuck guy with bobby it's ooh, it's coming together
1: this is so. It's not just that Ernest is a um, unkillable demon that roams through time and drifts from town to town doing odd jobs.
0: He's an interdimensional being,
1: destroying people's lives and at best breaking even in terms of morality. Uh, he is a he's a Dark Tower esque figure that slips between timelines. He sees different. People's genetic personalities taking the shape of different people, and in some timelines, you know, a dog is just a dog. But in another timeline, that dog is his best friend, oh. and that's it's a it's a tragedy, really, that he everywhere that he ends up, he doesn't really know where
0: he belongs. Do do you do you think that Ernest is part of a race of interdimensional? beings, interdimensional aliens, but he's just kind of like the ET of the group. He's kind of the goofy dumb one that got left behind and just kind of has to go from place to place and doesn't really know what he's doing. Bumble's his way through adventures and is really just trying to find home.
1: And what is what is home for him? Because he's formed these connections in all these places and he seems to generally genuinely care what people think about him and he's so concerned at the end of scared stupid about what happened to his dog but the fucking fucking rim shot is just
0: gone from do you think that's what it is that that was a timeline that was a dimension in which he felt the ultimate loss and pain of possibly losing that dog and he's like no more I can't I can't go through this again. I can't risk the possibility of losing something that's so close to my heart. I'll just do without it. I'll just walk this lonely road alone. Wow.
1: I didn't realize Ernest was so tragic. And yet he soldiers on. But the thing is, he's still alive. He still lives. So he still needs to have some connection to the world. He can't help but be the open book that he is. He can't help it.
0: So he brings back certain characters. He, he spends time around kids. He, he likes their energy. He, he likes, you know, being a part of that group. He brings back the, the Chucks and the Bobbies and the similar kind of characters and and certain people that he's liked before in different roles and kind of... He's just a, a, a weird interdimensional puppet master. Um. Oh, yeah. And then there's that scene where he puts on brown face and a turban uh, that's made out of a towel... Um, and, grovel, and grovels at, at a British man's feet.
1: Oh, in this universe,
0: Ernest is racist. I forgot. Well, he had to try it. He had to give it a shot and see what it was like. Kind of poke around, <laughs> and see 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 how the water felt. You know,
1: <laughs> you're saying in this universe, he was like, he's like, it doesn't fucking matter what happens here. At the end of this movie, I'm gonna end up alone, no matter what I do for this Linda lady.
0: Well, no I mean, what I do? Yeah, you got to figure like what one. The for Ernest goes to camp. He's like, "Oh, I'm going to try try out like the the coming of age experience, the the kid experience, the camp experience." Second one is like, "Oh, what what's this traditions and holidays with religion? Uh, let me try that Christmas thing." Oh oh. D- This race can can lock each other up for for crimes. There's morality. (laughs) What's that all about? It's like oh, the supernatural, the spirits. Like what? This is a thing. Let me give that a shot. Sports. What sports? Let me try that. Uh, Black people. What's that all about? (laughs) He's just, he's going through the motions, trying to figure out everything. You know, the next movie after this, just like, oh, armed forces, war, Uh, human against human, (laughs) fighting violence. It's
1: getting worse. He's becoming a racist warmonger as the series goes on because he's grown to hate humanity.
0: Well, no, I think it's because he's becoming part of humanity. The more he sees, the more he experiences He's just becoming one of us And this is really what we are And this is what this series is trying to say This is a a, a reflection of us This is a meditation on the human experience And how <laughs> fucking shitty we are When you really think about it <laughs>
1: Why is this movie so racist <laughs> that we need to go interdimensional in order to just avoid talking? The poster, the poster says, Mm-mm. "Africa will never be the same." Yeah. Never is it a different text. Africa will never be the same so do you think king leopold before he left belgium and you know conquered the congo and started chopping people's hands off to process rubber to send
0: back to to belgium
1: do you think before he did that he said africa will never be the same
0: yeah but he probably used like comic sans i would i would think (laughs) Uh, I
1: hope I hope racist genocidal kings use comic sans.
0: They deserve shitty fonts. I, I like the idea of that and that ultimately this is the smartest franchise ever and it's really just turning the light on ourselves. This movie is so racist because we as a society are so racist as opposed to just like nah that this character that I really liked as a kid just really was scraping the bottom of the barrel and is completely insensitive and was just kind of fucking racist because they didn't give a shit and And nobody really cared at the time.
1: I like the idea that Starman and E.T. are actually very slow and that Ernest is very smart because he's like, well, I got to see all the experiences. I got to blend in. I got to do my best to blend in. Um, But he can't quite fit in, whereas like Starman and E.T. can never fit in. Like they they talk like this. What are you? human no that was an Adam West you know when you're doing
0: one impression and then you just end up in a, di- in a different one and you're like okay
1: next time you want to do an Adam West do a Starman
0: <laughs> well I mean a Starman is more just like oh I'm an alien oh I look like your dead husband wanna fuck <laughs> that's <laughs> Starman in a nutshell
1: <laughs> I finally saw Starman for the first time I really Tom like Carver Starman my
0: favorite director yeah.
1: <laughs> favorite director uh I hated that movie so much oh
0: <laughs> uh, I actually really like Starman
1: watching Jeff Bridges be like what is banana like what the fuck is this movie why why are you talking like uh, that but i the love whole jeff movie?
0: bridges and karen allen as well like uh, it's karen allen is obviously carrying. yeah she's doing her best to carry the
1: weight of that movie anyways the 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 movie is is basically begins with Ernest. the movie Starman. man talk about more than this movie <laughs> Uh, the movie Ernest Goes to Africa begins with uh, not Ernest. It begins with a cold open of an a, a Illinois Smith style
0: adventure. Yeah, it's uh, very Temple of Doom mixed with Raiders.
1: But it's 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 like that except for like the opposite because like I think I think that they saw those movies and they were like, well. At the beginning of the movie, Indiana Jones is, like, stealing these artifacts just to, like, get rich. Like, it's like they didn't watch the rest of the movie. They just watched the cold open of Raiders of the Lost Ark.
0: Well, because they have so many references to it, though. Like, obviously, the whole uh, the idol that has the the gem eyes that get stolen is very much uh, like the stones from Temple of Doom. There's even like a thing like uh, put put the the gems on on the table next to you and slide them over kind of thing like the opening of Temple of Doom. There's a running away from natives jumping onto a plane kind of thing from from Raiders. Uh, It's it doesn't go so much into the religious aspects of it, but it kind of plays that. And again, if you want to make like an Ernest style Indiana Jones movie. And like a a kind of, you know, 40s style serial adventure movie, but you have Ernest there. Like, that's a decently funny idea. I get what they were going for, but you couldn't even come up with a clever name for it. Like Ernest and the blah, blah, blah. Not just like Ernest goes to Africa. (laughs) That's what happens there.
1: So this adventurer gets betrayed by his pilot. The opposite of what happens in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Jacques. But not the opposite of what
0: happens in Temple of Doom, because after that opening scene, he does get betrayed by his pilot.
1: That's true. That's true. The pilot jumps out, right?
0: Yeah, the pilot jumps out, and they end up going, you know, on that yellow raft down a a snow mountain. I I feel like, and don't get me wrong, I feel like shooting Indiana Jones is easier
1: than parachuting out of a plane. Just just want to comment on that. I mean, Um, yeah, but they wanted to really stick it to him. (laughs) (laughs) He really, maybe he didn't have the heart to shoot short round because he loved him so much. Well, I mean,
0: who, who could? Everyone, okay. everyone loves him.
1: Anyways, we see this Indiana Jones, the Illinois Smith-style adventurer uh, stealing a diamond. He gets betrayed by a guy in the, that's flying the plane. The guy that's flying the plane ends up being the villain of the movie. He's this, this uh, industrial guy that's basically acting as a middleman to try and sell these two eyes of a bully yeah so thompson is uh this is this, this, this uh you know in, industrialist man who wants to steal these and then sell them at a markup to this uh this prince uh prince kazim and he has a the fucking thug. paul
0: sorvino and brown face more or less
1: yeah, yeah. oh my god acting like, like fucking hank wrote Azaria wrote up in here <laughs> Got okay, and he's a fucking he's a fucking uh, mute black henchman named Bazoo. Definitely them just coming up with words that sounded roughly ethnic. They're hunting for these diamonds. Uh, a man is, is running through a market in Cleveland, Ohio and he stuffs the diamonds in a bucket. You're jumping.
0: We have that opening oh, scene. I'm jumping for my own sanity, Marcus. Well, I'm just saying we have this thing. It's like the loudest thief in history stealing these these <laughs> jewels at because seriously, there's just like dudes sleeping on the ground, because I guess they're doing a ceremony and there's a couple of guards and he's walking so loudly past them, I don't know how they're staying asleep. But he steals them, we have the plain Indiana Jones style scene. Then we cut to Deacon County, Ohio, <laughs> where Ernest is working as a mechanic at a gas station.
1: Again, he's a drifter, maybe
0: interdimensional drifter. Uh Oh, yeah. And as soon as I, did, I was like, OK, set up Deacon County, Ohio, Ernest, the mechanic. Oh, and I guess we're tossing sexism on this as well, because one of his first lines is he's working on this lady's car and he's like, she's like, hey, are you breaking my car? Like, please stop. Your, I just wanted you to do this. Why are you doing this? And he's like, women don't understand these types of things. Cars. That's a man's game.
1: it, it The movie is full of Ernest tossing out sexism which is fine is if, they it? Fun, if they made fun of it immediately after
0: well they- I guess they kind of do that later with the love interest because he is constantly condescending to his love interest but she's obviously throughout the film the much more capable one but then Ernest bumblefucks his way through everything and she's like oh my hero so she basically, basically the movie like
1: proves him right. Like it keeps giving him opportunities to be a hero and then it proves him right for being this piece of shit, <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> Ernest is a piece of shit in this movie. And it's so dis- distressing to me because he basically, the innocence is
0: starting to fade. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's less, less I can forgive him for in this. It, we're in this public bizarre Ernest is looking for a present to give
0: to a young lady. Renee, L- Linda Cash, like, obviously, this isn't the best material. I think she does really well in this movie. And, like I stated uh, before, she is also in Ernest Goes to School and Ernest Rides again, playing completely different characters, interdimensional being. Um, but she also did some Christopher Guest stuff. She was also in, like, Best in Show and Waiting for Guffman. She's really, really
1: great in Best in Show. And she's also in Fargo. She, she plays uh, this Mrs. Stussy. Okay. Uh, Ewan McGregor's wife in the show. Oh, I haven't seen the show, so I, I wasn't really sure what you were talking about yeah it's a uh, season three I believe is is the one she's in. so she's she's had some roles. I think she has
0: literally nothing to work with in this. she's none of her jokes are like inherently funny. Well, because Ernest is the star baby, like at most she's kind of like his somewhat comedic sidekick slash somewhat like the straight man to his Ernest and then also somewhat the foil for his Ernest.
1: They didn't write good dialogue for her because I think they wanted ninety percent of her character to be somebody that resists Ernest's call and then gets kind of sucked in under you know without her her real uh, knowledge that she's getting sucked into his his, his, his world. Uh, you know, right.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> world. Uh, <his laughs> <laughs> <laughs> she wants to be part of his world, <laughs> uh,
0: and he wants uh, to give her a part of his world as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh but no, I think I think they do want her to kind of be the damsel in distress more or less, and maybe yeah, even kind of like the, the, the nagging woman in a way. But Ernest is so inept and so kind of not cutesy in this movie and is still bumbling, still kind of has that persona, but the stuff going on around him, it's just impossible for her to not seem like his superior in this movie and to not seem to have one over on him. But the writing behind her and what her character is doesn't support that in any way. So there's a weird dynamic that never really evens out. There's no real characters in this. The problem with this is that usually in the
1: Ernest movies, if Ernest does something offensive or kind of like off, There's like three characters to be like, oh, fucking Ernest. There's someone to check him. This movie doesn't have that. Yeah. This movie doesn't have that. The movie is constantly full of people telling Ernest how awesome he is or people like eventually coming around to how awesome he is.
0: How often does he win over a random tribe that did not speak English and then like it cuts to 10, 15 minutes later and he's cracking jokes with them and they all know English now. He he is a character of mirth, yes,
1: but he's also a character that, like, is supposed to be sort of a, uh, you know, an, an annoyance. Like, he's supposed to be someone that, that kind of annoys people, and he runs into this random tribe. He, he walks up to them, and he says, like, oh, I know 20 versions of Zulu, and then she goes, uh, Renee goes, how do you know that?
0: And he goes, are you still working at a record store? And then he goes up and he talks straight to them and tries to do, like, a handshake. And it's it's the most unfunny and I don't want to say the most offensive, but it's one of the things that offended me the most watching this movie. <laughs> It it it's a like um, that's such a cheap shitty setup and payoff, and it just it made me weep for my inner child for being so into this character. Like that, this movie kind of broke me a little bit in my earnest love. I'm gonna come out and say that.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree, and also I think that that moment was a butthole clencher. I was very very cringy during that entire sequence, and I was like. <sighs> Why have we taken on this journey?
0: Well, the, and that's and the we're
1: thing. basically halfway through this journey at this point.
0: And, and that's the thing is that you, you figure that's a thing Ernest would do because he has this moxie, he has this bravado and stuff. He'd be like, oh, yeah, no, I I know, you know, 20 different versions of the Zulu language and stuff, you know, because I'm, I'm a worldly traveler and stuff like that. And then he'd go up and like at worst, like the cheapest way to do that joke is like, oh, he makes some shitty clicking noises or something or like uh, just does some mumbo jumbo, which he also does in this movie as well, where he's just like, shit. Amla, a ding dong, and it translates to like him actually saying something. That's the cheap, shitty version of that joke. But it goes one step beyond because then he walks up and he's like, "Hey, what it is, guys?" tries to like do fist bumps and and smacks and stuff. And it's just like, "What what what it do? What 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 you what you boys up to?" And it's it's beyond unsalvageable. It's beyond being able to apologize for. I cannot apologize for this movie, guys. I'm sorry.
1: The, the, there's nothing to apologize for. I think that this this movie stands on its own as the worst thing that we've ever we've worst thing we've ever covered. It's the worst thing I've ever watched for one of these uh these podcasts. So I'm like immediately like confused. Like I remember being very mad about watching a movie for for uh the other podcasts and being like for We Love to Watch in particular and being like so wait why 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 why, why do, do I, I love to, to watch this, this. <laughs> yeah why do i love to watch uh with with this it does make it does slightly challenge me to be like do we want to continue on this quest and i think yes well
0: because i mean you would think it we can't get any lower
1: yeah yeah there's nowhere to go but that, but up from here i mean we are at the nadir of the nadir this is not just the worst ernest movie this is one of the worst movies i've ever seen um it's real bad guys <laughs> let's, let's talk about okay so it's not just it's not just that it's it's racist so there's a um, homophobic as well there's a series of of moments where basically the whole movie is it's a terrible movie it's basically like ernest is uh, trying to escape and save this girl while they're in the continent of africa uh from uh two sets of people that want to capture both of them and get the diamond location out of them but
0: ernest doesn't even know he has the diamonds he turned them into a yo-yo there's a lot of yo-yo stuff in this movie but and that's the thing that's why i uh that's even part of the reason why i kind of paired it up with Ma- i thought they would portray the african people as kind of these magical beings and stuff but no they portrayed him as people are just like oh ernest pulls out a yo-yo and starts doing tricks and they view him as magic and they yes. view him as a god all of a sudden and like do anything simple he idiots. says
1: yes yeah. simple idiots they don't they don't treat him like a uh it's not so much that they treat him like a um you know uh, a clown at that point they 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 treat him like like holy shit, he must be like a god or something. Like look at the look at this skill, and they're basically- they treat
0: they treat him like the Ewoks treat C three PO in Return yes. of the Jedi
1: yes yes and at first they're going to literally eat him that's not a misunderstanding that happens due to racism and the movie quickly amends it that's literally subtitles because they've already eaten the previous uh illinois
0: smith style adventurer well even that it's either that's with that one tribe but even other tribes and other people he comes across their immediate reaction to him is threats of violence like he comes across that other tribe and it's just like let's rip his arms off and another guy says let's rip his legs off and they're like yes let's rip his legs off and then he says something stupid that kind of it it translates to something but it doesn't translate to something they laugh he gets bonked on the noggin he wakes uh or we cut to later they're speaking english to him he's getting all sorts of kisses from the ladies there uh which was also very unsettling yeah what was that I don't know. It's just kind of like that. He he said something silly uh, like, uh, "Where is the red chair?" I have to go to the bathroom, like an Encino man kind of thing. <laughs> the cheese yeah. is old and moldy, <laughs> and then like they they bonk him on the head and laugh hysterically. We cut to later, and then they're just like sitting there chilling, and he's telling them a joke, a very poor joke that they find hilarious and there's just a, this large woman next to him just like constantly giving him kisses on the cheek while he tells a story which he's kind of oblivious to but i think like he kind of got a girlfriend
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i think it, in his mind uh because the, the the romance plot has progressed enough that he's like okay this this random woman kissing on me i have to ignore it because you know we've we've moved on but you know i can't be rude to her also because you know, they might eat me. Like they treat every person of color in this movie like they are possibly felonious, possibly violent. It's 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 a. It, I I can't overestimate how racist this movie is. How they go to Africa and they don't make friends with a single African person or a single person of color. Uh, Renee gets threatened to be raped by Bazoo when she first gets captured and brought to
0: Africa. Yeah, he he's kind of almost knife fucking her a little bit.
1: Yeah, there's, there's like a weird, the sexual thing going on where Thompson, the villain of the movie, uh, says his henchman, a mute, giant black
0: guy, uh, you know, he says. Not, not mute. mute. He, he kind of plays that role a little bit, but he does end up talking and actually having lines. And actually, oh, yeah. this actor, I, I, I kind of looked up a little bit. He he hasn't done too much that I really recognized, but he had a couple of moments in this where he actually had some martial arts style moves. Like he actually had some fight choreography. So I thought maybe he was like a stunt guy or, or like, you know, martial arts guy or something like that. But he, he actually like had a couple of decent fight moves in this movie. Clearly
1: cast to be like a tough guy i think that the uh the whole movie has
0: like a sort of me really mean milieu for me it does i'm just saying him specifically actually gave a pretty decent performance and especially when it came to the physicality and like the the fight scenes and stuff he actually did a good job i just wanted to give him credit for that in this shitty <laughs> <Yeah>. fucking movie <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's a good thing to give him credit for, because like the, there's not a whole lot to be proud of in the movie because it's not funny. And like even if there were jokes in here that would work in other movies, which I, I don't necessarily think there are. But even if there were um, the the wall to wall racism, bigotry, homophobia, sexism. The wall-to-wall nature of it means that, like, there's not even a single moment where I can enjoy Ernest just being a silly clown.
0: Yeah, no, because this movie just kind of feels gross in general. Because there, there are a couple of scenes. There are a scene where, like, oh, you'll get kind of a more basic Ernest scene of, like, Ernest just being Ernest. But it's just surrounded by all this muck that it just kind of sours any possible goodwill you could really have towards this movie.
1: Yeah, it's a vi- – and it's a, it's a very – I think it's a violent, mean, and ugly movie. I think that it's violent and mean in the in the way that like even outside of race. In the uh, Ernest Goes to Jail, there's one death scene that I think is like pretty vi- like violent in a way that like I remember where I believe one of uh, the Ernest's evil twin in prison, like I think his, his henchmen kill a guy with a barbell in prison – I mean, lifting weights
0: yeah he didn't kill him but he did kind of torture him with it and, and kind of strangle him a bit until he said he was gonna pay
1: yeah and this there's a whole lot a whole lot of just murder straight-up murders being committed that you're like wait we already know the villain is bad why are you putting horrific murders in a children's movie particularly <sighs> A very ugly direct-to-video children's movie. Like, the lighting in this movie is so garish and so awful. Like, it is an ugly, ugly movie. Well, yeah,
0: like, yeah. The, the bad guy kills the guy with snakes in, in here. Like, the, the there's guy- like There's, like, blood-curdling screams. Like it- well, and that's the thing that, that kind of sets off the plot, because it's basically... Because I was confused at first, because you see the main bad guy on the plane. He steals the, the jewels from the guy that originally stole them. Uh, And then it cuts to later and apparently someone else had stolen them from him uh, and they were set up by the guy that he was supposed to get them for to steal them to not have to pay him some some garbage like that. Um, But he ends up kind of like torturing this guy with like. Oh, a snake's going to get you in the back of a limousine. Then they get out of the car and dump a bunch more stakes on them. I do find it funny that they're just like, oh, do you like my my sheath-headed friend? Do you like my cobra that's about to get you? And this movie didn't have cobra budget. This movie had, like, uh, some python budget. (laughs) The snake that they called a cobra was totally not a cobra. And I, I, I really don't like snakes. They really give me the creeps. Uh, but even oh my I was God, like. You're just like Illinois Smith. Yeah. It, yeah, I, I am. I am really when you think about it. Uh, but, but no, I just I, even I was able to be like, oh, that's not a cobra. I know what a cobra looks like. <laughs> the cobra looks like Sylvester Stallone. Oh, that's funny because it's the name of a movie he was in and because Sylvester Stallone looks like a snake with flaps. <laughs> uh,
1: everyone look out for the new We Love to Watch podcast, I Walk Stallone. A podcast where I watch every, oh every Sylvester Stallone. Oh my,
0: Stallone my god, movie. that's so good. That's so good. Please <laughs> let me be on that with you. Then I wouldn't be walking Stallone. Well, uh, occasional guest host that you you yeah. love and leave at the end of every episode this is definitely I'm a Lone I, rangers situation i walk stallone I, I walk stallone is such a good fucking name like that is gold <laughs> you should not let that go that struck me right into the the gooey juicy center of my soul and how fucking good that was
1: do we do we keep going through the plot basically Ernest and, and Renee keep getting stolen and they escape and they, they and then they eventually get back to the tribe from the beginning of the movie and Ernest has to have a big battle with Thompson
0: a battle of truth a which by the way when they do this uh, literally it's kind of similar to doing like the the in fight thing in, in Goes to camp like kind of yes. the final showdown between uh you know uh, Dean Wormer <laughs> in earnest um, but this time like it's like oh we're gonna have a battle of truth the bad guy comes out dressed up like he's in fucking Mortal Kombat and then it's just like then they kind of do like a, a bit of a kickboxer Bloodsport Kumite kind of thing to where it's like oh I have this Kuma-tay. table of weapons yeah I, I that's a note that I wrote <laughs> it was Kumite Kumite cause like <laughs> I can't not I do a podcast called Jean-Paul Van Dam. deal with it uh, and then Ernest it's it's more like a hot shots part due kind of thing where like he unwraps a table and he's got like a rubber chicken and like a a, a log of Bologna and, and like all, all this like a clock. just like silly shit like that. Uh, but
1: let's let's not let's not walk past something here. There's a scene where he uh, Thompson shops the picnic table that Ernest is hiding behind in half and Ernest pokes his head behind. He missed him. And then he chops the other half of the table, leaving a single board standing up that is far too uh, far too thin for Ernest to hide behind. And Ernest <laughs> pokes his head behind
0: again. That that's that's he, a he, halfway it, decent joke. That that's one of the and, few that I was like that kind of feels like Ernest. That works for Ernest.
1: And then he like kicks down the board or whatever. The board falls over, and then Ernest is behind him and attacks him. He flicks his this ear. Is, this is a new power we've not seen Ernest have. This is a this is a Friday the Thirteenth style power that we've never seen Ernest have before. Well,
0: we? because there is definitely the ability
1: like to, to, to dodge around space and time.
0: Well. Yes, I I I know this has happened. I'm, I'm trying to remember if we've actually seen it before or not. Have
1: you seen this movie where Ernest can put his
0: lower torso into a pocket of space? Yes, and, and then kind of like peek out from behind different places in different areas and stuff. I I know this is I know this to be true. <laughs> uh, I I'm, I'm just trying to think if we've actually watched it already or not. So definitely wouldn't have been in camp possibly in christmas possibly in jail and also possibly in scared stupid i i I know that there is a thing where he has done this before to where he's kind of peeking out from different areas and it's a weird kind of like scooby-doo thing where like running through hallways but it's not that but it's him like kind of poking i want to say it's goes to jail or something to where he's kind of peeking out from different areas and changing where he is or no maybe i'm just thinking of bobby doing that and ernest goes to jail you know, that's possible. Maybe I'm correlating those together. Never uh, do such a thing. I, but but this kind of behavior exists in the earnest universe is all I'm saying. We have seen things like this before, but I think I am just thinking of Bobby and goes to jail.
1: Yeah, and I, I would never conflate the two. They're different characters. They're different people. I I frankly think it's cowardly for you
0: to conflate well, the two. I, I think what I'm doing is I'm combining... What Bobby did and goes to jail as far as sneaking around and peeking out of things where he obviously couldn't hide behind. With because during this Ernest keeps going like you missed me, <laughs> like just doing stupid kid shit. But that reminds me very much of like the ending of Goes to Camp where like he's getting shot at by Dean Wormer and it's just like missed me. <laughs> like so I think I'm just conflating those two together to get a shittier byproduct, which is the ending of Ernest Goes to Africa. Because this movie is a lot of recycled bits and recycled things over and over again, kind of the way that the TV show tends to be. But at least for a while in the movies, they were trying to do like similar humor, similar character stuff, but making it a little bit different each time. This is just everything feels recycled and the lowest common denominator of that. Um, And speaking of one, one first, I did want to mention because uh, I know we've jumped all around, but. I, I believe this movie is the at least first that I recognize or can remember the first appearance of John Cherry, the director and co-creator of Ernest in the movie. Where does he show up? Guess what? It's kind of fucking suiting. Uh, early early on in the movie when we first meet Renee and she is a waitress at this diner and she like puts down an order, there's this uh, kind of you know larger uh, older white guy with white hair and a white beard that's just like, hey, I heard these eggs uh, over easy, runny. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I got confused. And his line to her is like, how about you try not to get so confused, lady. Or like, woman or like, sweet cheeks, babe. Some shit like that. But just, again, kind of being shitty and sexist towards the female lead. And it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the movie.
1: <laughs> why, why, why? Why would somebody put themselves in the movie? Like, maybe the budget was so low that they were like, if we don't do
0: this... literally the movie will not get made i i feel it's more the opposite of that i feel it's more like he never really did that he was just cool being the writer director things like that and i could be wrong he could have appeared in others i just don't recall any appearances but he stuck out to me in this one and i kind of feel like maybe even he knew it was like this is probably the end of the earnest thing i guess i gotta be in one of these fucking movies (laughs) I don't know what happened. There was some kind of time warp because this is an hour and a half long movie and I did not take that many breaks or even get that distracted. I feel like it took me three hours to watch this fucking movie. This movie bends space and time to allow you those three hours. It's bad, but I feel like throughout my notes, kind of looking over it, there are lines that I wrote down that I think were actually funny lines or kind of worked, but everything else around it and all just the bile that I wrote down about around it just kind of makes me not even want to bring them up or even champion anything in this movie.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think there's much to champion. Um, There's a version of... Ernest doing blackface to infiltrate a harem. <sighs> run by this Prince Kazim.
0: Yeah, he he's just he he dresses in drag pretty much. He does the uh yeah, he, he dresses as a belly dancer.
1: I think it's transphobic because it's supposed to be about how like uh you know a man dressing up as a woman but he doesn't identify as a woman and he's like uh this prince kazim could be trapped by it the idea of a man being trapped into kissing somebody that he considers a man is like a whole like transphobic thing it's like a thing that happened in the 90s all the time
0: i i I could see that and again i do just want to make a little disclaimer here me and you peter we're just a a couple of dumb white guys like we we can only say like what felt weird to us or what maybe offended us or whatever like i i feel like it's maybe not wrong but i feel like we have no authority and we want to get out there about like what is homophobic transphobic anything like that we can say what we feel but obviously we're not a part of any of these groups to the point where we have any authority over what is or isn't because I I didn't get a lot of transphobia out of this it more just seemed like homophobia it more just just seemed like the whole like oh no there there's a guy dressed up like a lady pretend to be a lady go going back to even like shitty Bugs Bunny bits and shit like that um to where it was more just kind of like oh no it got tricked or because even like when they kiss or whatever Ernest seems just as freaked out about that as he does and even like the the love interest does like everyone's just like oh no two guys kissing the worst yeah but I could see the whole kind of like oh it's like I got tricked like oh I thought I thought that dude was a lady but that lady was actually a dude what does that mean about me
1: it's also just not funny like it's not like it's like I'm like choking back laughter Because I need to be offended It's like not funny It's not know.
0: funny and it's also tired of it Like I said it feels like a fucking old Shitty Bugs Bunny routine Done live like, action in an earnest yeah. movie But even that did did Bugs you Bunny notice? routine done badly Yeah done badly But did you notice even after that they have that scene And the next scene is the truck chase Where he ends up like chucking uh, ostrich eggs at, at the car Following them through a bra Using like a bra slingshot Like, fucking bushwhacked. Um, Yeah, there we go. Uh, But no, did you notice right after that happened, they get in the truck and everything like that, and then Ernest has to kind of, like, rip off his dress and everything like that, and kind of, like, does a masculine kind of sports-themed thing with, like, the bit of throwing eggs and stuff. Like, he kind of has to reclaim his masculinity in a way. And then they have... He's not like he's like a,
1: he's not a man man. He's not a, he, he puts on these weird, these weird like shows to like impress people. It's not like he's like, I need people to believe I'm, I'm a
0: masculine man. But it immediately, immediately cuts to like almost like football references or something. Like he, he's a sports dude. Almost like he has to reclaim that a little bit and then it, it, Kind of plays with that a little bit because throughout all of this, he still keeps those very overly long eyelashes going on. And then they play that for a joke later where it's just like, oh, they almost have a romantic moment, but she's really just like, it really bothers me that you have these eyelashes on. (laughs)
1: there okay so let's let's close on this let's close in the romance because i i I don't want to discuss this movie any longer let's close in the romance um it begins with her not being interested in him him pursuing her anyway not interested Uh, in him
0: because he's too boring he's an everyday schmo and she wants a life of adventure and she wants someone like illinois smith yes exactly guess what at the end because we're also playing with this bullshit male entitlement thing that's just like oh I'm not good enough for you woman because I'm not this unattainable goal that you have well guess what we're going to go on a wacky adventure where I become all the things that you said you wanted and then the woman's going to be like yeah actually I decided I don't really want that I just want an everyday schmo but now you're too adventurous and wild for me Ernest
1: yeah, and it kind of plays into this idea that um,
0: women, uh, you know, w- women are these those like, old fickle well, women that say they want something as soon as you're that. Oh, they want something else, and poor, poor men just just can't get a, get a break, just can't get what they deserve in, in and the all, women. Yes,
1: it all goes down to men not paying attention to women actually and this movie just feels like an elaborate well i'm feeling uh, like they
0: deserve something that they do entitlement
1: not. yeah yes uh this elaborate uh way of, of walking around the fact that men are just not listening to women when they say no and that women are allowed
0: to say no but anyway and that they're so, allowed to change their minds are allowed to have a fantasy yes. of something but not necessarily want that in real life Yes, exactly. So, uh,
1: and then as the movie goes on, th- I find the whole love story very confusing because there's a moment that makes sense for them where she says like, you know, this would be the part in an Illinois Smith movie where you kiss me and then he just keeps talking about the movies like he just nerds out on her See, and she gets frustrated. Uh, I, I like that. That actually felt
0: very real because he-, he It's very earnesty. Yeah, it is because he is always kind of, maybe not asexual, but he's always oblivious to two sexual things to where even if he's just like oh i i have this idea i know i'm supposed to be a man so i'm supposed to be like trying to get the ladies and stuff but i don't know what to do when i get there like it was almost a cute moment she's like oh i want you to kiss me and he just like in this movie and he's like oh yeah i love this movie and then they stab the guys and do all this and it it almost is a cute Moment, but then he has just as many kind of sleazy moments doing the exact opposite of that in this movie.
1: Ernest is not a figure of uh, that we see as like, you know, he beco- he becomes a man at the end of the movie and we get to root for him like that. We see him as becoming brave in the way that like a, a child would become brave and-, and face his fears. We don't see him as becoming brave in the way that we're all like, um, You know, a a John McClane kind of figure where you're like, not only is he being brave for his family, he's being brave for himself. He's being brave for all men everywhere.
0: Because he have to because no one else can.
1: Yeah, I I see Ernest as being brave because he just happens to be in a weird
0: situation. And... He bumblefucks his way through everything. It makes sense as a simple setup as like, okay... Ernest has someone he has a crush on. Uh, he's really into her, but you know he's Ernest, and she wants this this ideal that you know it is her fantasy or whatever. And then throughout the course of the movie, throughout the course of Ernest fumbling his way through it, he kind of becomes what she said she wanted. But then, you know, she has a change of heart. She realizes that's not what she really wants. She wants something more simple, like what Ernest was in the beginning. Like That kind of makes sense as a setup, but just the way it's actually written and the way it's played just comes off as shitty. Just comes off as like, at in the end, we're supposed to kind of hate her and be like, oh, poor Ernest. But like, you know, Ernest is enough of a man. He's like, he's going to be okay. He's going to push on and not be too affected by it, by by all these fickle women and stuff. But it seems like She's even kind of played as a bit of a a bad guy at the end of this movie for having a change of heart, for for saying she wanted this thing and then Ernest became this thing. and She's like, I don't want this anymore. It's not even played to a humorous effect or like, oh, that's what happened. It's more it's played shitty like she she's in the wrong for that.
1: Uh, The fact that she also never, ever gets to be a hero kind of makes the ending more sour. Like, her not being a hero at first, it makes sense because they're setting up this, like, damsel in distress thing. And then when the movie is purely just a damsel in distress thing, you're like, oh,
0: there's no wrinkle on this? Well, that's the thing, because throughout it, she is always... Smarter than Ernest. She is always more capable in situations. She is always able to handle things and think about things and try to get out of the situation. But then Ernest undercuts that every step of the way because she's trying, she's doing things like, oh, we're stuck at a river. Oh, shit, we, we can blow these up and maybe get across the river like that. Oh, and then Ernest pops them, but then like still is just magically able to get them out of the next situation without a hitch. And then, oh, my hero, Ernest, you're so brave it's it's shitty and can we please as can we talk about the most upsetting thing in this movie which is for the last like minute or two of the movie ernest removes his hat and is just sitting there hatless with it with his hair sitting there what's that about
1: it's really uncomfortable like you just you just spend the whole time like you can't look at his rubber face you have to look at his, his beautiful his fucking quaff of hair. Jim Varney had amazing hair. He had great hair. You figure with all the smoking and drinking that eventually like that. And wearing uh, hats. That, <laughs> and wearing hats. The hat abuse to his head. And my God, you figure eventually
0: that shit would just fall out. But nope. It's beautiful, it's it's luxurious, it's shiny, it's got like just a, a hint of gray up at the top. It's it's gorgeous, and then it it takes you out. He doesn't feel like Ernest anymore. He feels like Jim Barney, which is actually a charismatic and, and nice dude and a good actor and things like that. And then that all kind of plays into like a final joke where Ernest puts his hat back on and crushes an egg on his head, which is a dumb joke, and it leads to a freeze frame, but just I was so unsettled by like that two to three minutes of him not wearing his hat at the end of the movie.
1: It it is uh, deeply uncomfortable because I see Ernest as almost having that hat like glued glued to scalp
0: like, they, they play that as a joke because his hat has popped off like one or two other times in the films. But it's a quick pop off and it's immediately back on his head. And it's always about like, oh, it's so hard to get this hat off of his head. But here he just like takes it off like he's about to have a date with her and just like has his hair all nicely done and stuff like that. It just it doesn't play right. It just immediately took me out. And I was like, oh, that's Jim Varney. That's not Ernest.
1: It's a little uh, it actually makes the rejection that much worse. Because he, he actually like, looks good in that scene. He's like, oh, that's actually someone I'd maybe want to date. Because Jim Varney could, as pointed out by June Diane Raphael in the, uh, How Did This Get Made episode, Jim Varney can look kind
0: of nice. Ernest without the hat? Evil Ernest? And like, Ernest goes to jail with his hair slicked back and stuff? Yeah. That that make, that makes business happen downstairs.
1: Obviously, when he's obviously when he's like a rubber face, and they use extreme angles, like he looks
0: like a hideous weirdo with the but hat like and the goof. Yeah, no, but like That's it, the deal. Swab Jim Varney. Yeah, he he does it. He's looking kind of nice. We weren't
1: positive on this. I think we nailed down everything we hated about this. But Marcus,
0: yeah, Pete, can we? You want you want to powwow a little bit? Oh, I mean. <sighs> Okay, you you know me. Guys, you know me Pete. Uh when we started this, I I to do this because I I love Ernest. I adore Ernest. Ernest is one of my fondest childhood memories uh, of someone that I don't want to say I, I emulated but like brought me so much joy, even more so that, than like your your Peewees and possibly more so than like your weird house even though that had a big part as well. Um but it, it's something that not only did I adore and love and watch constantly, but it's something that kind of felt uniquely mine because I didn't know a lot of kids that were really into Earnest. kind of felt personal to me in a way. And that's why, like I said, these later Ernest movies like this and In the Army, I was 10 or 11 at the time. I think I, I rented them from like a Winn-Dixie and watched them once and don't really remember anything. So I kind of kept this this glorious image of Ernest in my head is like this wonderful childhood thing. Several of the movies, the early ones I've rewatched several times throughout the years and still like this. I, 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 why are we doing this show, Peter? I don't know anymore. What, why do I have this connection, this feeling towards Ernest when like, this is where the character ended up. And I, I had to do an episode about this, After just uh, gushing about Ernest for the last four episodes, because we needed to go through
1: hell. Yeah, I guess just to have gone through hell. I don't really know why. (laughs) Were
0: you trying to do like a what dreams may come thing?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why we went through hell
0: electively. There was no like a dead wife on the other side of this. We 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 could have just not done this movie. We could have just like done an Ernest show.
1: Yeah. We're doing all the earnest. Yeah. But warts and all. We're doing
0: the whole thing. And you know what we're gonna do I, now? This movie gave me warts. <laughs> this movie gave, I mean it, me it, it, might, it might have been a thing that happened prior to this that was unrelated, but I'm pretty sure it's this movie that gave me the warts that I have right now.
1: <laughs> it gave me uh canker source, it gave me cankle source, it gave me It gave me cankles. <laughs> it gave me
0: cankles. Uh <laughs> gave me gout. <laughs> Gave me gout. Gave me like Jim Belushi levels gout.
1: <laughs> it did not do well by me. But I have a proposition for you. Uh,
0: I mean, what do we what do we do now? What, what what do you got for me? We go back to the beginning. We don't. <laughs> we start over and just do last. Ernest goes to camp again. <laughs> then I can be happy again. Further back than that, baby. We're watching Doctor Otto. I I mean, yeah, that kind of makes sense. We we go back well, to the beginning, we, we do a bit of a, a palate cleanser, we do the first appearance of Ernest, the first Varney Cherry movie, and kind of, I don't know, maybe we can figure out why we're doing this show, why we liked Ernest to begin with, because I'm running out of reasons right now.
1: <laughs> the reason is... You and the reason is you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you wanna just quit this and do a Hoobastank podcast?
1: <laughs> no. We're doing this because we need to we need to take a full audit of who Ernest P. Worrell was, what are the, the implications of this franchise, and we need to go we need to go down to hell and we need to go back to we need to go back to the genesis of this series with Dr. Otto and something.
0: <laughs> Dr. And Otto, the, doctor, riddle the, and the riddle of the gloom beam. The riddle of the Gloombeam, And also to yes. were we're saying this and, you know, complete transparency on the show because, uh, we don't care. Uh, we said this earlier in the show and kind of planned to do this bit at the end. I'm just realizing that it's not even, like, the first thing. That's kind of the first movie that barely had Ernest in it, but it kind of tried to be his own thing. If we really wanted to go back to the beginning, we would do Hey, Vern, It's My Family album. Because that sprang from the commercials and, like, was Ernest-based and was him doing characters, like, that were related to Ernest. And that came out, like, a good uh, two, three years before Dr. Otto... <laughs>
1: Hey, fucker, what are we going to watch after Ernest does Armies?
0: <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to bring all that up and ruin everything. You already had a plan in place, and we're just going to do What's this not... twice. We're going to watch the two worst films in the Ernest series, and then we're going to go back to the very beginning twice in a row. <laughs> it's God. A, we're going to do this and then have to go all the way back to the beginning.
1: <laughs> yeah, like don't blow all your EpiPens at once. Um... Cause this, we needs we need something to balance out the worst of the worst in the series, and so next week we're gonna go back to Doctor Otto, and we're gonna we're gonna try and find again what we love about Ernest, and make sure that things weren't soiled by the way that the series took some wrong turns late
0: in it. Uh, you want to do that with me, Marcus? I, you know what, Pete. D- despite everything, despite how I felt at the end of this. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna do it. I mean, shit, I? I'm the Ernest <laughs> super fan here. Like, I, I'm surprised I wasn't more forgiving of this movie.
1: <laughs> I'm really, really
0: happy that this was not in any way a debate. Because that would have been grimly unfortunate. I didn't even think about this because it's been so long since we've done one of these episodes. I didn't even look in my Ernest book, the one John Cherry wrote, about making this movie. I didn't read his chapter on it. I kind of want to go back and do it. I might do an addendum to this episode in the next one. (laughs) If there's anything – if he apologizes for what happened here, if he he admits how in the wrong they were or anything – I'll bring that up and I'll, I'll give some credit where credits due if he at least has grown since then. But this is this is kind of unforgivable.
1: Yeah, it's it's unforgivable. But uh, next week, next week, let's see if we can forgive him. Uh-
0: <laughs> well, we're gonna get back to the the silly weirdness that it spawned from. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a couple of dudes, uh, an actor, a writer director, you know, just. They made a character for a commercial. that kind of took off and they got enough money to f- fund their first like independent feature film. And they chose not to focus it on the character that made them famous, but focus it on a weird side character they created that has a third hand on top of its head. Yeah, I, I, I am down for the weirdness that launched them onto the path that eventually took them to Africa and everything that is wrong in the world.
1: Oh uh, yes so that's what we're gonna be doing next month on hey Vern, it's a podcast thank you guys so much for joining us and marcus do you remember how we closed this
0: show because i do not i no i mean i i guess plugs i guess i don't know i i and hey Vern. i'm I'm a piece of shit I, I, <laughs> that's, I didn't even do an earnest impression this episode But I, I just hey I, couldn't, Vern. Oh. I don't want to oh, emulate yeah. this guy right now Oh yeah yeah uh.
1: Hey Vern It's racial intolerance
0: Hey Vern it's cool you get it <laughs> <laughs> Hey Vern Some of my best friends are black <laughs> Hey Vern you're one of the good ones <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hey Vern Separate, but equal. (laughs) (sighs) And with that, good night. Yeah, good night. Thanks for listening to Hey Vern, it's a podcast. To find more by your co-hosts Marcus Jones and Pete Moran, visit crushedcelluloid.com and wltwpodcast.com, respectively. Our theme song comes from the lovely Cole Smith and his band, Smiths. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks again, Know What I Mean.